Welcome to episode 45 of Lil Muck, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. This is a tiny slice of the Muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Today we are interviewing Florida Senate Minority Leader Lauren Book. Hillary, tell us about today's guest. Elected in 2016, Lauren Book is a rising star among Florida Democrats. After being unanimously selected Senate Democratic leader, Lauren has led Democrats in the fight against the growing far right in Tallahassee. Leader Book has dedicated her career to fighting childhood sexual abuse, both in and out of the legislature. As chair of the Children, Families, and Seniors Committee, Lauren reconstructed Florida's child abuse reporting system, designing a central hotline so that no report is left uninvestigated. She went on to expand Medicaid for newborns and babies that from just three months to a year, no small feat for a Democrat. Outside of the legislature, Lauren founded Lauren's Kids, an Emmy award-winning non nonprofit dedicated to ending childhood sexual abuse through education. Her programming is found in schools in 41 states and internationally. Welcome to the podcast, Senator Book. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Good. First and foremost, are we allowed to curse? Um, are you kidding? <laughs> okay, just checking. I wanted to make sure I was allowed to curse. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Like, fuck Please. is my favorite word. It's mine too. And uh, when I first met you at the Dolphins meeting a couple weeks ago, you said the F word twice. And I immediately was like, what? I texted Tina, who was across the room. And I said, <laughs> we need to have her on the podcast because this is my person. If somebody says the F word, I'm like, oh, that, that's my friend. Like, I know this person. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. You have been elected minority leader last session. It was kind of a quick in and out of the other leader. And you become the Florida minority leader in the Senate, which is like humongous. Really, tell us what that means. What is your role as a minority leader in the Florida Senate? So my job, first of all, I'm so excited to be here. And oh. uh, thank you both for having me. Um, I will say that being a mom of five-year-old twins has certainly prepared me for the role of Democratic leader in the Florida Senate in so many ways. Um, I'm often, I oftentimes find myself negotiating with terrorists at home. So I, uh, I'm very prepared for, uh, for the job. Um, but really, uh, my job is to make sure um, two prongs, really. Uh, during the legislative session, it is to um, fight back against and, and make sure that my caucus is prepared to fight back against really the terribly bad policies that we find ourselves faced with in Tallahassee, being in the minority um, and, you know, having the GOP running the House, the Senate and the Plaza level. Um, and uh, working to create policy in the off time and orchestrate our caucus to be out there in their communities, respective communities, um, and creative positive policy that we can actually create change on and with. Um, it is a, uh, on that side of the world, um, a lot of strategic um, maneuvering around the process, um, making sure that we pass good policy, kill bad policy. Um, and uh, on the other side of the coin, it is to run the races with Senate victory. And so in a very busy election uh, time, uh, after redistricting, it is making sure that we can find great candidates, which I believe that we have, um, fundraising to make sure that we have the resources uh, to put into these races and bring back uh, strong and strategic uh, Democrats to the caucus and making sure that, um, that our caucus has wins. Um, I think that 
it's tough being in the minority. And when you're able to have um, and create wins for your members, that's my that's my job and making sure that um, we're also aligned with the House Caucus. And um, I'm so excited to lead our caucus alongside um, Representative Ventress Driscoll, who um, was just elected and I think is just a powerhouse and dynamic and strong. And so it's um it's a tough job. It's a lot of moving parts. But um, it's a it's a it's a true honor and a and a pleasure to be able to 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 lead the caucus. <clears throat> that is incredible. So um, you've talked about um, you know trying to get policy uh, passed or trying to uh, stop bad policy. And recently, you've been really open and vulnerable about your past abuse. And why was that something important for you to share? So I've always talked about um, my my abuse. I think that I um, I started this journey in advocacy when um, I I sort of disclosed my own abuse, and um, I was actually, and I think we've we've talked a little bit about this. Um, you know, you know, finally was able to share that I had been um, sexually abused at the hands of my nanny um, for many many years and um, was able to disclose that to a counselor and, and get some help. Uh, but one day I was sitting and um, getting ready to meet with another victim's advocate. And they said that I needed to get an HIV and AIDS test only to find out um, that, uh, thank God that I was negative, but HIV and AIDS can lay dormant in your system for some time before um, it can be detected. And so while Dina, my nanny was sitting um, having pled no contest to the charges and it was ready to, to take a plea of 25 years for the abuse um, and found out that we weren't allowed in the state of Florida to even ask for um, an HIV and AIDS test um, of an accused who was sitting in prison. Um, the judge sat on our request. And um, one thing that I have found is um, you never ever underestimate a pissed off survivor of, of, of any crime, particularly a violent sex crime because uh, they're pissed and they wanna make a difference and they are tired of being and feeling voiceless. And so they wanna fight back and I did, and I was ready to fight back. Um, and so we were in the closing days of the legislative session that year. We introduced a bill and were able to pass it. Um, so now in the state of Florida, you're able to um, to get the results of a requested test within 24 hours of that request. And if it's a minor, you get that, uh, if it's a minor, the family gets that, um, that test result back. And I think that it has always been important to me to be a face because nobody wants to talk about this issue. Nobody at that point had ever talked about childhood sexual abuse, what that meant, what that looked like. But we knew that, and we know that one in three girls and one in five boys will become the victim of sexual abuse before their 18th birthday. And we know that 90% of the time children are abused by someone they know, love and trust. And we can make a huge difference in that because we also know that 95% of sexual abuse is preventable with education and awareness. And so it has always been a part of my journey to, um, to advocate, to be a voice for the voiceless, because it's what brought me to service. It's what made me want to, to make a difference. Um, and I think now more than ever, this last legislative session, I felt compelled to share more about my story than I ever had because of how 
horrifically dangerous and punitive and awful the policies are um, that are facing Floridians, particularly um, the 15-week abortion ban. Um, and you know, I, I shared a portion of my story that I had never shared before, quite frankly, about um, Aldina taking me to a, a house where I was gang raped and um, talking about you know, the aftermath of what that is, that there's a lot of physical um, healing that needs to be done, that needs to happen after a, a violent sexual assault. I think that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, um, they like to talk about, right, freedom. They like to talk about, you know, the sanctity of life. But the reality of a survivor of sexual assault and human trafficking is very different. And um, I wanted them to understand and look me in the eye and talk about what that is as a survivor, as one of those one in three, um, you know, and you know, we've talked a lot about um, strategic, you know, strategic policy decisions and stuff like that. I felt that it was my responsibility to, to, to share that and let them bear the burden of what that was. And, um, you know, we had some of our Republican colleagues, female colleagues on the other side of the aisle say, look, like, we'll be with you on a voice vote, but we won't be with you when we're on the board. And so I knew that if I could compel enough of them, which is what happened um, to vote with us. And if the president called it the way that I think all of us knew it should have gone, it would have gone our way. Um, and that's when you know, I had to leave the chamber because I knew that the Florida Senate that you know, was good and real <laughs> didn't exist. And it's like what we've talked about all along, which is, you know, this predominant belief and um, we do it because we can, uh, Republican mentality that exists right. there. Right. And that is, um, you know, that is the today. And so, you know, the other part of the reason I share my story is uh, because I think that my colleagues need to know and understand that unless we cut through the shit of the political correctness of all of it um, and you lay yourself bare and you are mm -hmm. vulnerable all those policy pieces look in my case this is what this is it always has been it always will be but for senator jones that's different his journey is different you know he was able to lay bare and and be honest about his journey about coming out to his family um, when we were debating don't say gay um, pro tem powell was talking about his wife who's an attorney when we were doing um, the crt bill um, who, when she walks into a courtroom, they think that she's, you know, a janitor. And those are the realities. And I ask all of our caucus members to really tap into the honest everyday experience of, of what it is to be a, a citizens driven legislature, because this isn't a game and it is affecting Floridians every single day. And so I think in working to try to inspire that amongst our caucus. Um, and leading, you know, it's scary. It's certainly vulnerable. Um, but, you know, we've created um, a family dynamic in our caucus now. Um, and we're very cohesive, which is wonderful. Um, because it's the only way we're able to do this. Uh, because it is a tough place to be. And, you know, we've talked a lot about that. Like, it's Tallahassee is tough. And, um, you know, it's not, it's, um, it's, unless you, you fight alongside one another hand in hand, 
it's it's uh it's not possible. I mean, I know that people have said this to you before, but thank you so much for sharing your story. It's got to be incredibly hard to like talk about these things all the time, but I know that you know that you're doing it for these reasons to keep bringing it up into the light. Like we have to be visible about sexual abuse, especially with children. You're speaking on behalf of children who haven't even told a counselor yet or haven't told their parents. And you're making sure that that when they finally are able to do that, they're going to be protected. And so that's incredible work that you're doing. Um, I did want to ask you though, because you do lay yourself there, right? You lay yourself out there. So does Senator Jones and and, uh, Senator Powell, like you mentioned, and all of these, you know, we always, it's a very respectable place. It almost seems like Tallahassee, right? So like on the floor, it's like, oh, my colleague over here or my friend over here. And, but meanwhile, you know, yeah. they're not voting that way. So like, I, I, I would like to ask you, cause I've heard this from um, other electeds also from Tallahassee is like behind closed doors, they really don't like these policies and they don't want to vote for them. So how do you, how do you like, square those two things somebody who's like look i really don't like don't say gay but i gotta vote for because this is my party line or i'll get called out or i'll get primary like how do you really square that with your colleagues there that are republicans so it's tough um i think that the uh, they are republicans are extremely and maybe across the board but i have found they are extremely punitive um they are um vindictive and angry look no further than um senator bradley who i love and respect um i served with her husband i have i i love well i love senator bradley um i love senator bradley now his wife much better she's um she is i i i find her to be just incredibly smart graceful um depthful um, and after listening to all of the debate, whether it was Senator Jones or Senator Torres, um, Senator Pizzo, um, who happens to be her seatmate, she voted against it. And she sat down knowing, like, I'm going to lose a chairmanship. I'm going to get punished. I, I don't know. You know, I, I can't do it. I terrified. And what happened? She is the one that they designated to carry the um, Reedy Creek tax exemption oh, removal. No because of what Disney did standing up against don't say gay. It's active stuff that is um, within the process. I mean, I don't know whether she'll keep her chairmanship or not, but it is public shaming. It is punitive. Um, You know, look, you work really hard to, to, to be a chair. I, I, I've lost a chairmanship when um, I spoke, I was the chair of children and families, um, after my second year in the Senate. Um, but when President Simpson started talking about the Texas style abortion ban and I started speaking out against that, he took that chairmanship away real quick. Mm. Um, happens, right? And you lose power and you lose the ability to control agendas, which is, is difficult because up until that point, I had been able to stop every abortion bill that they agended to my committee, mm. which was wonderful, right? And I was able for a few sessions to stop that. Now, you know, they take away that right. And that is a tough thing. And they have the power. It's tough when you're in a game, right? And then they change the rules and then they change the board and then they change the pieces and they change the rules and then they change the weather. They control all of those parts. And so it is hard to square. It's understandable to some extent. Now, there are some of them, I'll be honest, that 
um, have deeply personal um, uh, convictions or, or, or family members, quite frankly, that get them square against policy. And they have to, some of them, and they do, get permission to vote against policies. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking of one member in particular um, on the other side of the aisle that voted against the trans bill. Um, they have a family member um, who's in the trans community and has to seek permission mm -hmm. to vote against policy like that um, or, you know, feels that they have to have a reason other than the fact that it's terribly bad and stupid that we're wasting Floridians time doing this shit. Yeah. Instead of focusing on, you know, the things that really fucking matter, which is why people send us there, you know, I, I so it's, it's very frustrating. Um, and they do, they get primaried. I, you know, it's, um, that's like for other times and other places, but within the process itself, um, but at some point you got to kind of say like, you got to stand up and you find those members that do right. And, you know, Senator Brandis, who has been a part of the process for quite some time, he's no longer, um, there he's termed out. Um, you know, he was one who would buck against the system, but there aren't many of them. And I think a lot of that is term limits. I think a lot of that is the houseification of the Florida Senate, not being uberly depthful in policy, hmm. allowing staff to drive a lot of what happens. I think that's dangerous and what we have found. And that's one of the reasons why I agreed to take over the caucus the way that we did, um, because I want my members to be depthful in all things. And, and we talked about this at our roundtable um, a couple of weeks ago. If we are not the most prepared and we don't know every single comma, sentence, word, um, phraseology in every bill, we're not as we're not ready. I mean, you look at the don't say gay bill. Um, when Senator Pizzo was asking questions of, of um, the sponsor of that bill, and that was um, Senator Baxley, he just asked him to define um, sexuality. What is homosexuality? He, he couldn't and wouldn't. Orientation to give those definitions. He couldn't and instead defaulted to, I'm not going to be cross-examined by you. It's my job to make sure that my caucus is prepared to do that that my members are ready to do that. And I couldn't possibly do that without, you know, without them being completely dedicated to it because a lot of people treat Tallahassee like a summer camp, but our members are dedicated. And, you know, certainly our policy chair knows every single bill, reads every single bill. Um, our staff is incredible. Um, and you can ask a line in any bill and our chief of staff, um, Maggie can tell you what that is. Um, and, and we have to be, we have to be that way. Otherwise, um, we can't just default to not squaring with where they are. It's how can I then bring them with me? How could we make such a compelling argument that we pull the Bradleys, even though there may be punishment, punishment be damned. It's right. Mm -hmm. It's right. And in that case for, you know, when we're talking about the rape and incest amendment, they just told me, look, like, we'll go with you on the board, but they had everybody locked down. And I knew that that was our only chance. Um, and so they have to answer for that. Like, they, they have to answer to, you know, their maker at the end of the day, because I just believe that to be a terribly, horrifically um, dangerous piece of policy that's going to hurt, that's going to hurt people, um, but also their constituents. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's it's incredible to me all of the bad policy um but you still try to put forward some good policy so i wanted to ask you um about your focus on education and you've supported funding to um expand you know the holocaust education um and currently you're working on um the learning with dignity bill so can you talk a little bit about that and what you hope that will see so i think this is such an important thing and i don't know so uh, several years ago um there's a there's a uh, incarceration, a, a dignity incarceration bill that went through and um, and that provided sanitary products for women who are incarcerated, which I thought was fabulous. Wonderful. Good, 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 good. I'm so glad that that's happening. Good, 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 good. And one day I was at a school visit in middle school and I just started like looking around and, you know, I noticed like this one's not here, this one's fidgeting. And I started thinking back about when I was in school and obviously school was a safe place for me because of what I had going on at home. And I started, you know, just looking at, you know, this one excused herself for that one. This one's in the bathroom. And, um, and then one girl came back um, to her desk and she didn't look good. She, I said, what's wrong? She was like, Oh, I don't feel good today. And I was, I'm sorry, I whispered. I, I don't feel well today. And I said, well, what's going on? She's like, Oh, I have cramps. And I said, Oh, you know, I, I understand that. She's like, well, I got to go home. And I was like, you have to go home. She goes, yeah, we don't have stuff here and I don't feel well. And mm. then I started thinking about it and looking at, looking at this issue and realizing like, you know, those like vending machines they used to have in the bathroom, <laughs> like a bar, or, like in school, like, they don't have those now. And um, it's not, and, and these, you know, products aren't as accessible as they should be um, to young girls in school. And I fundamentally believe that a period should end a sentence, not an education. And we need to do more. And so I am pissed that for three years now, I have tried to get this bill heard. It has never gotten a hearing, never. Um, and that just is, it's shocking to me. And whether or not we argue about having the nurse have these products or having vending machines in the bathroom, it's like they don't want to have this conversation that young women have their period. It's, it's insane. And then they want to talk about sex, sex ed. I'm like, this is not that. This is a, this is not that. This is not that. This is that a young lady who is in school who may begin her menstrual cycle, have access to the products that she needs so that she can then go focus on her fucking math test mm -hmm. or her fucking reading lesson, whatever it is she's supposed to be doing. Cut the shit. We menstruate. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, I, I don't, I have no, I have no patience for this. Like I, I it is. And, and, and by the way, every time the chair of that committee is a man, and has never allowed this bill to be heard. And I just find it to be astounding. It's astounding. Yeah. And it's what, because there's this like weird issue around young women in schools and having access to these types of products. And I find that to be um, asinine. And right. oh, again, I'm so glad that we've made that leap for women who are incarcerated, but how about just children in schools, young yeah. girl in school, you know, you know, this, like yes. these are kids in, in school. I mean, how can you be focused on your math test? If you're worried that you started your period. Yeah. And kids ask me I, I, all the time. I have students will come up and go, do you have anything? And 
it's, it's needed. It's needed because maybe, and you know, especially when they're young, like maybe your period's not regular. Maybe you don't know, you know, or you're not tracking it like an adult. Maybe you can't afford it or you can't afford it. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can't afford it. And we see that too. Um, and we provide, we work with, um, uh, just several organizations in Broward County. Um, you know, Ashley Eubanks being one of them who I just, I have found to love and respect just such a tremendous amount. She goes around and gets donations of um, sanitary products to make sure that kids throughout the district have them. I mean, that is ridiculous. Like we need to, um, you know, cut the crap. And Sarah Leonardi has been an incredible ally in that on the school board, Um, you know, starting to have those conversations. Period poverty is a real thing. I mean, these are things that exist in our world. It's whether or not they're regular or people don't want to have that conversation at home, but also like they're expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So So I think they just passed this in Hawaii. Didn't they just sign this where I think so. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. I don't think we should have to pay tax on those either. Like as we're at the store, like why are we paying tax on a product that I need? That's something I can't control. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. Makes Mm -hmm. no sense. Okay. So, I mean, we talked about this a little bit when uh, we first asked you to be on the podcast, but I'm struggling so hard, Senator Book, to be a Democrat. (laughs) I'm struggling so, so hard to be a Democrat. (laughs) Um, I I, I just, you know, I find I'm just hopeless. And I know, like, I, 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 I really appreciate the behind the scenes of like, here are the moving parts and we have to jump through all these hoops to like stay on a committee to get this policy on. It's like, I, I think I don't, I've never really understood it as much as I do now, like getting involved in all of it and like talking to people like you who are elected, but it just seems like it's so much work and we're not really, it's, I, I don't want to say this to you because I know we are getting somewhere, but it feels like we don't, we're not getting anywhere. And, and then, I, yeah. you know, maybe DeSantis gets reelected and then what the hell are we going to be doing for the next four years? And it's like, what the, you know what I mean? Like I'm out of yeah. my mind. One, I mean, as far as like someone who's not involved, what can a, a regular person do besides voting? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people work two or three jobs. They really can't get involved too much. But like, what's the simplest thing that someone can do to pay attention to politics and get involved? Like, what, what, do you, what are your, um, what's your advice? So first of all, everyone is busy and nobody cares. They yeah. want to make sure that it's, it's true. I mean, like, it's true. Like it, at, at rock bottom, like, you guys are a lot like me. And a lot like your listeners, they'll listen when they can, they do what they can, but you know, who's getting the kids to soccer, who's making dinner, yeah. how are we going to pay $150 for the fucking SUV that we have to fill up for all the fucking kids that we have to put in the car with all the activities that they have to get to where they need to go. We've got other things, right? Like I get that. I think it is find the people, first of all, find what's important to you. Maybe a woman's right to choose is your issue. Maybe it's a gun issue. Maybe it's child abuse. Maybe it's, you know, um, whatever, whatever it is. Maybe you want to make sure that there's more bike lanes. Maybe you want to make sure there's more green spaces. The things that are most meaningful to you in your area, find a find out, first of all, who your legislator is. Let redistricting happen. Things have changed. Mm-hmm. But also find people who you want to support. Because it's much easier to get involved and invested in somebody who's aligned and is doing the things that you believe in. And then reach out on Twitter, on any, we're, we're all on all of the things and we all need help, whether it's phone banking and maybe you're too busy for that. Maybe it's canvassing. Maybe you're too busy for that. 
Maybe it's just retweeting something because guess what? This job sucks. Like it's a tough job. People want to cruise. It's, it's a tough place. I love what I do, but it's hard, right? Sometimes it's just a supportive ear. Um, look, I do believe that we're in a space and in a time. I saw a poll actually just before I jumped on, I was almost afraid I was going to be late because I saw a poll that had Charlie Crist up 1% over Ron DeSantis. So you got to check that out. By a very credible pollster in Tony Fabrizio. Um, but you know, like we've got to not just organize, we've got to mobilize. And so I think it's finding like-minded individuals who are passionate about the same things that you're passionate about and start working towards those things. I mean, we do, I mean, we're talking about period poverty. We make period poverty kits to distribute to schools. Like whatever that is to get civically invested and engaged, I think that that is one of the most important things. And look, like I, and I'm going to challenge both of you this session to come to Tallahassee Ooh. and come and see like a day and we could do a podcast that day and we can film them like we could do whatever we want. We can Yay. film whatever you want. Like I would say to you, like, look, like I have gotten to know some incredible people and advocates. And there's one in particular that that I unfortunately I I mean it's terrible. Um I don't know if you know of um Grayson's story. Um he actually went to school with my kids. Um and uh, his um, biological father, um, she, Allie shared joint custody with him. Um, he took her, but she had filed a temporary restraining order. He mm. had threatened to uh, decapitate her. A judge um, denied the request for, um, for her to, to take custody of Grayson. Like I said, Grayson was in the same class as my kids at school. Um, so she had to turn Grayson over to him. He murdered him. Um, and this was just implantation. Yes. I remember now. Um, now, yeah, as become an advocate, she never thought that she had to, um, but talking about making sure that the court system is working the right way. Like these are issues that are, um, central yeah. to, and you, you may not even know, but maybe we go to Ella cafe together or you you know, even you would think a piece of policy that makes sense like that, that would be easy to pass. We couldn't get done in a legislative session. I think so. It's like, it's, 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 it's making sure that we can have you guys at our flanks to help make those things happen too. And we, we get to hear and see some of these stories and make a tremendous amount of difference. But it is, um, it's one of those where I want you guys, and I'm going to challenge you to come, to be with us, to pick one of those issues, and let's work it through so, so, we, can, um, so we can continue to, to grow and, and bring people along. Because I think that people, you know, we watched Schoolhouse Rock when we were kids, you know, and we, we think we know how a bill becomes a law, but it's like, more complicated than anybody ever promised you in that uh, cartoon, I uh, can assure you. Um, but I think it's, you know, you asked the question and I know I've been meandering, but um, you know, what is there to be hopeful about? I, I know, I know that we are affecting change, not right away, not as fast as we want, but I know that we're gonna be able to pass Grayson's Law. I. I know that my member, Lori Berman, who's working on that bill, 
is going to be able to get that over the finish line. I know that, you know, any number of these issues that come our way, we will be able to make that difference. Um, you know, obviously I, in the last several months have had to endure another sex crime that I never thought that I'd have to endure, mm. but was able to pass a piece of legislation relating to cyber stalking and cyber harassment and our revenge porn statutes. I think that, you know, we are able to do good things and we're only able to do that because of, 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 of all of you who elect us and allow us to be there and support us while we're there and tell us those things that are important to you so that we can go and do those things. Um, so I think those are the things that you can do um, to be hopeful about. Um, it's not all, you know, get out there and vote or make it, it's not, it's not as linear, right? But I also think that that is how we can create that everlasting change because I also believe that, um, you know, our members aren't going anywhere. We live and we're blessed to live in a fairly democratic pocket of the state. Um, and, you know, our members down here are pretty, they're, they're consistent. Um, so start working with them now to, 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 to create some of those policies um, that will make a difference too. That's incredible. So what is your then greatest hope for the upcoming 2022 election cycle well fuck i want all my candidates to win <laughs> uh you know i want to bring back my two um incumbents i want my um my uh my replacement in that annette Tadeo seat to win janelle perez um i'd love to flip my two other seats and bring raquel pacheco and joy goff marcel to the florida senate and you, Nick Ortiz, who is um, another one of our incredible candidates, um, who's a longer stretch cycle situation, I think. If I could make all of those things happen in <laughs> that's what I would do. That's what um, but certainly it is to to keep our two um, our two incumbents to bring back Janelle, um, who is replacing Senator Tadeo, and 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 possibly bring one more back um, because we've we've got to. We've got to have members of our caucus to help us fight back. Mm, absolutely. I mean, more power, we can get more things done. We gotta gotta take I always just think I'm like, even if I always think, feel like the governor's race is, is the most important race. If we could just stop it there, like if we could just get it there, you know, because it'll take time to flip these other seats in the house and the senate. But my gosh, if we could just get the senator's seat, I mean the governor's seat, that would be fantastic. But I mean, that was a promising poll that I saw. Good. Yeah, I'm here for it. Listen, whatever happens, let's Two. get him out. Let's just get him out. Yeah, um, it's more and more frightening. I feel like every day, the more that I hear, the more things that are coming down, um, the pike with him is is frightening. Yeah, it is. And I think, again, you know, you've got a guy who only cares about running for president. Yeah, He doesn't care about what our immediate needs are. I mean, again, we were joking around about filling up our cars, but like, I mean, we had, we passed a sale, a gas sales tax. Why wouldn't we provide that to Floridians now when we need it versus October, right before the election so that he can have a victory lap. Right. That's what this man is all about. That is, um, it's wrong. It's terrible. It's dangerous. And, you know, it doesn't stop at like, you know, the crazy things that he's done now. 
I mean, we're sitting here and I don't know, you know, we're, we're waiting for SCOTUS to release this drafted opinion that has leaked. You know, I am just terrified about um, what this man will do. I'm, I mean, you also have, <laughs> you have a, a new incoming speaker of the house hmm. who has said he will, um, and the house will hear open carry. He has said he will sign open carry we live in bizarro land. Yeah. We live in bizarro land. It's, um, you know, I, like, and we've talked about this before too. I, um, walked around the building after Parkland. I sat and I sit still on the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas public safety commission. I watched that footage from inside that school. I know what a war zone looks like in a classroom. This is fucked up that this man, while we're still dealing with Uvalde and the rest of the world is talking about what is it everything we want no no it's fucking not but it's a start and he's talking about open carry not like not it's like we live in uh, like the twilight zone yeah where, where florida man's real like florida man is a real yes! thing we don't need yes. that guy to have an open yes! carry like, no not a good idea no not yeah. a good idea and i you know, a reporter asked me the other day about, you know, open carry. I go, do you understand what open carry is? Like that we don't require background checks and we wouldn't require anything that we do now for some, and, and then you can just open carry and walk down the street with a weapon. This is not what law enforcement wants. This is not what law enforcement thinks will keep us safe, but this is what this governor has said he's going to sign before sign before he leaves office. And we have an incoming speaker who said the house is going to hear it. Mm. What the fuck are we doing? I mean, it is a scary, scary time. And, you know, we've, we're, we're ready to go. We're ready to battle. We've got, you know, a, a slate of, of our caucus who is ready to, ready to go. Um, and, and hopefully we'll bring back some tough, uh, tough additional new members who are going to fight the fight. Uh, well, we are here for that. And we will see you yes. in Tallahassee. Tina, yes. time off work. Yes. Call in sick, Tina. Call in sick to yes. work. I can take a personal day. Take a personal yes. day. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and joining us today. It means the world to us. I mean, you're pretty famous. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to come back and talk about like other things, like fun things, like oh. you guys always do. Like, if that. you'll have me as a guest, I have yeah. a face radio. I don't know if you no, know. Please. I prefer no, to do everything non makeup in my pajamas. I'm here <laughs> for that. So, me uh, too. I'm here for that. Whatever you want me, I'm here. Well, thank you so much and good luck thank to you, you. Uh, in your upcoming primary and your election in November, where you will be sent back to Tallahassee yes. for of it. And, and good luck in the next session. You guys are fighting for all of us. And I, I was saying to Tina on the podcast this week, like, I almost feel like y'all go there with the best of intentions. And then it's like, just taking punches to the face yeah. constantly while you're trying to do good work. Like it doesn't, right. it's so wild to me. So I, I, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. We're gonna have to have you come up. It's good. You guys are. Okay. We're gonna. We're gonna do this. It's gonna right. be a fun thing, and uh, we're gonna. 
We're gonna, we should pick like um, a true crime situation that happened in Florida and then find a law that we can pass and work on together and feature it <laughs> on the podcast all Whoa. along the way. Whoa, oh, my this is our amazing. producer. I know. No, we have producer. a new producer. <laughs> I'm here for this. I'm here for this. <laughs> Me too. Thank you so much, Senator Thank Book. You, have a good night. night. Thank I thank love you. you both. Love you too. Aww, love you. If you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.